What's the one thing that parents of small children want? Peace and quiet. (laughs) And this morning as I was sitting in the service, it seemed the kids were especially restless this morning. So that was a good uh, introduction to our message today. Growing in our devotion to Jesus uh, continues to be our central theme for the next few months. Today we're exploring the discipline of silence and solitude. Our desire is to imitate Jesus, to be like him in every way possible. Two weeks ago we met God on Sunday message on prayer. Last week we looked at uh, study and meditation. And both activities... Both disciplines intend to put us in a place where God can meet us, where God can transform us from the inside out as we grow in his grace. It can be difficult to believe sometimes, but God loves you so deeply, so immeasurably, that it's hard to imagine. It can be hard to dare to hope that God could love us the way he does. And in ways I don't understand... God derives glory as he transforms each of you into the likeness of Christ for his honor and glory. Today we're going to look at this discipline and we're going to actually just study Jesus. We're going to sit here today and ask Jesus to teach us, to show us his practice of silence and solitude. To be still and know that he is God does not come easily to most of us. And for good reason. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, he writes, Solitude is the most radical of the disciplines in the life of the spirit. When we are isolated from other human beings and external activities and distractions, we're forced to come face to face with ourselves, with who we are. We know that solitary confinement in prison is a punishment. People are put in solitary confinement for a reason. It's to break their will. Because being alone without any kind of distraction can be difficult. In the hands of God, however, solitude not only shows what we are inside, but it drives us, it brings us to him. And therein lie both our fear and our hope of silence and solitude. And I'll tell you a story when I first noticed this. Back in the summer of 1993, when I was living in Istanbul, two of my friends and I traveled 20 hours by bus to northern Iraq to see some colleagues we had who were working there. They were ministering to the Kurdish people, and their ministry was to build homes, small shelters. Because this was a time just after the first Gulf War. And the area was declared a no-fly zone, and it was an area where people could flee to get away from Saddam Hussein. And so many Kurds fled north. And of course, there was many needs. We stayed with our friends, uh, Mike and Anne, and we watched all the things they did. And it became pretty apparent that the needs outweighed the resources, that they were exhausted trying to meet all the needs of the people who needed shelter. But they kept, kept on and relied on God. A few months later, they came to visit us in Istanbul. They came to do some business they had to work on and to get some much-needed rest. However, 
Instead of resting, they kept up a hectic pace, hurrying from place to place to get this done, hurrying to this office to get paperwork submitted, running around for supplies and parts, and they never actually stopped to rest. And so we urged them, you have to stop. Take some time. You have to slow down. But they resisted. They kept saying, it's too much to do. We're too busy. We can't not take the time to sit. We'll do it later, perhaps. But I noticed something else. I noticed that they seemed to be afraid to stop. They seemed to be reticent to spend time alone with God. And I thought, why would that be? And as I talked and listened to them, I realized that to stop meant to face. To stop meant to look at the struggles they were involved in. To stop meant to deal with all the troubles they saw outside of them around the world and also the things they held within that they could push away in their busyness. If I'm busy, I don't have to think about it. It's out there. And so they felt it was just easier to keep busy. Easier to do that to to avoid difficult issues and just keep serving and hope that they wouldn't burn out. God was calling to solitude. He was calling to come apart and be alone with him. But I think they feared doing that. You know, we live in a very noisy world. In fact, this morning in the news, I heard that the World Health Organization has listed noise pollution as the second worst pollution in the world. Where can you go where there's silence, where there's no noise? Our world is full of responsibilities, pressures, distractions, amusements, all pulling us, demanding our attention. For some of you sitting here right now, you know, not checking your phones is difficult. Maybe you're doing it and I can't tell. So look to your neighbor and make sure they're not checking their phone, checking the, uh, the news and stuff. For some of us, it's difficult not to speak. You know, if you play a game and you say, okay, we're going to be quiet for 10 minutes, inevitably the first person will suddenly say, are we starting yet? Are we starting now? Because it's hard. If I stop speaking right now for a few minutes, you start to feel uncomfortable. Why did you stop? And people struggle with not doing something. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. I, I can't stop. There's too much to do. And when challenged to practice silence and solitude, people usually tell me, you know, I'd love to. I really would, but I don't have the time. Life is filled with too many responsibilities, obligations, expectations. And being still and quiet and alone would be nice, but it's not going to happen, at least not today. It can even be viewed as a waste of time. What a waste of time to sit and do nothing. We're productive people. But you know, this is not how Jesus lived his life. For Jesus, periods of silence and solitude were essential and became places for strength. In Luke 40, verses 40 to 41... I want to start here for this morning. Jesus was very busy. In fact, he was busy with demands and needs that would break our hearts. The verses read, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. 
I want you to imagine the scene because oftentimes Jesus sought silence and solitude after difficult times of ministry or when he's going to face difficult situations. But think about it. People begin to hear over in this area, some guy is healing people. Somebody's able to free people of spiritual oppression. And so you go, you run, you take your friends, your relatives, your mom and your dad. We have to find this guy. Imagine if this was to happen today. Think of the crush of the people. You think, you know, a million refugees going to Germany is a lot of people? Imagine what would happen if somebody authentically was healing people. That would be an immense crowd. And it would be an unending stream of people in need. How could Jesus say no? How could he say, I'm busy, come back later? How could we? What, what, what would we do? Yet the demands were exhausting and people kept coming. How could anyone, how could Jesus find the time for rest in the face of such pain, in the face of such suffering? Well, in the very next verse, it says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. He made the time. Despite the need, he made the time. Even as the needs were met, and despite being tired, he sacrificed sleep. Sleep was secondary. I need to spend time with the Father. That's my priority. Jesus made the time to withdraw. He made the time to experience solitude and silence. This was something important to him. If it's important to Jesus, it's important to us. We should take notice as to why and what he did. In fact, the gospel writers noticed it and recorded it for us. The disciples noticed it, what Jesus was doing. And it's become a practice for discipline spiritually shared by many cultures. In our passage today, as read by Jonathan, Jesus again was in the process of seeking silence and solitude after healing people. In fact, he healed a man who had leprosy, an incurable disease, by touching him. Leprosy spread by touch, and he touched the man to heal him. And after that, the crowds began to appear and began to want to be healed of whatever disease they had. And again, Luke tells us, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. This was his response. Jesus took the time to practice this discipline. And it is something that becomes, has to become a habit of continual practice. And the question for us becomes, what was it that was so important about solitude and silence that Jesus was doing it? So important that the gospel writers actually tell us, highlight for us, that Jesus was doing this. And how can we imitate Jesus as we seek time for solitude? And I've written a kind of, um, this message is structured around the word rest, R-E-S-T, so you can remember, you can recall, remember what that means. The first way that Jesus dealt with these situations was he responded in a certain way. He chose to respond in a certain way, and that was to withdraw. You know, Dallas Willard defines for us uh, what solitude is. In solitude, we purposely abstain from interaction with other human beings. We deny ourselves companionship and all that comes from our conscious interaction with others. It's coming apart from people. It's withdrawing from them for a season. 
And silence is the companion of solitude. In silence, we close off our souls to sounds. We turn our phones off, our computers off, our TVs off. We turn everything off. Whether these sounds originate from outside us or they bubble up from inside us. Sometimes our minds won't shut off. We see when we're trying to go to sleep at night sometimes. Our brains just keep firing at us ideas and thoughts and concerns. It's learning how to silence that. Few of us have really experienced complete silence. If you ever experience complete silence, people say it sounds like the world has stopped. Nothing is happening. It's just like total darkness. And only in that place can we really concentrate our minds on God as we seek his presence. And as we pursue prayer, study meditation, the other disciplines such as fasting next week and so on, these are all interconnected. They're not all separate. They all connect to each other and build. But for Jesus, why did he seek silence and solitude? You know, when I thought about this, I thought it's interesting because Jesus on the earth was sinless. He never sinned. All the time, he was in communion with the Father. There was no division between Jesus and the Father. 24-7, from birth all the way through, he was in constant communion. So if he was in constant communion, except for that one time on the cross, where he bore our sin, and God turned away from him, at that moment there was no communion between Jesus and the Father. So Jesus cries out, why have you forsaken me? For the first time in my life, there is no connection. There's nothing. There's no relationship. Did it for us. But at other times, that was always there. So why would Jesus need to seek times to have communion with the Father? Well, he did this so that he could completely focus on the Father uninterrupted. And so he had to withdraw from people, even his disciples. He withdrew from them. He needed to spend time with the Father. So do we, even more so. Jesus withdrew from the demands of ministry, from opposition, from challenge, from struggles. You know, there's always going to be ministry. There's always something to do. No matter how much you do, there's still more to do. Jesus knew this. And so, for his own strength, his own perspective, he withdrew from these things. And he also sought solitude to gain strength from temptation. Back in Luke 4.1, when Jesus, same as Matthew 4, when Jesus was being tempted by the enemy, what happened? The Spirit of God took Jesus into the wilderness, away from people, away from distractions, even away from food, so that he'd have the strength to face the temptations that he would be uh, challenged with. In his ministry and needs, we saw in Luke 5, 15 and 16, that after a heavy time of healing, of meeting all those needs of people, he withdrew to find strength. And in his trial, in the Garden of Gethsemane, I'll read to you what he says. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Then in verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed. Even in that moment of trial, of knowing he was going to the cross, 
when you'd want to have your friends around you to support you. He said, I'm going to separate myself because I need to spend time because my strength comes from the Father. How much more for us? In fact, the Father calls us to silence. Some of you recall the story of Elijah when he was uh, a time of great ministry and was broken and God fed him. But then when Elijah wanted to know God, God said, I want you to go to this mountain. Go to the mountain and wait. I'll read it to you because I don't want to paraphrase it. The Lord said, Go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave to meet God. God does not compete with the noise. God waits. When you're ready to focus on him, to give him your time, to lay aside all the distractions of life, he says, okay, now you're ready to meet me. Now I'm calling you to meet me. For us, why do we need to seek solace and solitude? Because Jesus did it. If it was a need for him, it's a need for us. And it's because the Father desires. He calls us, he brings us to times when we have to spend with him, away from everything. In fact, he expects us to do that. He expects us to lay aside all distractions and be ready for him to meet. And this becomes the R in our talk this morning of rest. It's our response to life. How do we respond to the busyness of life? We seek solitude and silence at times. The second aspect is what do we expect? Well, there's a number of things that uh, can be experienced when you're alone, when you're quiet. Peace and rest, the physical. Elijah was fed when he was uh, uh, hungry and broken over the ministry he was involved in, over the fear he had. God fed him twice to restore him. We have emotional perspective. You know, John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. He was the forerunner of Jesus. And when he died, when he was killed and beheaded by Herod, they brought the news to Jesus and they told him John the Baptist is dead. What did Jesus do? It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew. He took a boat privately and he went to a solitary place to deal with the emotion of loss. He feels the pain of his family member passing away. Ironically, when he arrived at the place for solitude, he was met by the crowd who followed him and he had compassion for them. So even being in that boat by himself just for those few minutes probably was enough for him to gain the strength. The other expectation we can share with Jesus is spiritual. The strength to obey. And we go back to the trial of Jesus. Where Jesus received strength. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. 
But it was God's will, not his own. He had strength to obey because he withdrew to depend upon the Father. You know, in the midst of life, in the midst of all the obligations we have, the busyness, uh, they're all good things. They're all proper demands. We need to make time, to find time to meet with the Father and to expect that he will meet with us, that he will draw us to himself to do that. It is, in fact, necessary. If we're to grow in faith, it is necessary to develop times where we can be silent and alone with God. And as we enter that time, what do we do? Well, we seek God. Silence and solitude is not just sitting there doing nothing. It sounds odd because I have to use those words, doing nothing. But you are doing nothing. You're putting yourself in a place for God to do something in you. Silence is not limited, uh, and solitude is not limited to being uh, in a place for for inner transformation. It's also a place where our heart is, where we can receive guidance and direction. And this is our second passage of this morning in Luke 12, 13, of why Jesus sought solitude. And this we capture a glimpse of why he did it. Not just that he did seek solitude, but that why he did it. If you look at the verse, you can see. Can you see why Jesus sought solitude? One of these days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them whom he designated apostles. Why was this important? Jesus sought solitude because he needed guidance. He needed the Father's wisdom, depending on the Father, to tell him, to show him, in concert with him, who would be the 12 disciples. You know, we are a direct result of that testimony ministry of those men that Jesus chose. We're here because they carried that message and shared it and wrote it down. The disciples that Jesus chose under the Father's guidance would change the world and are still changing the world through you. You are the spiritual descendants of those men. For this reason, Jesus withdrew to seek the Father because this was important. He spent the whole night in prayer. Couldn't the Father have said, okay, here are the 12, you know, and tell them right away? No, this took time of communion, of praying through. He wasn't just, I don't think he was just choosing 12, I think he was praying for them, praying for us as the church. So like Jesus, we need, we need to be still and know God. We need to imitate what Jesus does, what steps we can take. Now, you may be sitting there saying, you know, I've heard this before. I've tried this. You know, I tried getting away and being quiet and silent, and it was boring. You know? Mine couldn't switch off. You know, I didn't want to do it. But remember, the spiritual habits or disciplines are habits that we have to keep practicing. And the hardest part about the spiritual disciplines for me is always that I can't do this. God has to do this. All I can do is put myself in a place where he can do that. The minute I struggle or strive for these disciplines is when it evaporates. It's kind of like going to sleep at night and saying, I'm going to go to sleep now. Does that work? How does sleep happen? I don't know. You're just going to lie there and suddenly it's morning, if you're lucky. We don't strive to sleep. It just happens. We put ourselves in a place for that to happen, putting ourselves in a place where God can actually draw us to himself. It's his work. 
So, what are some things we can do when we seek God? We stop, we separate, and we listen. Stop what I'm doing, get away from the situations we're in, and I listen to God. I'm here, Lord, you've called me, and I want to hear your voice. It comes out of a a desire to be intimate with God. Intimacy is not developed in a crowd. It's developed one-on-one with somebody. The Father is even more worthy of being intimate. And it's God who brings us to himself. He's the one who does it in us. It involves meditation on his word. If you can't stop your mind from thinking, open the book and read God's word. Fill your mind with his thoughts. Meditate on his thoughts. That's how we can meet him. And also, we come to receive, to fellowship, but also to receive, bringing with us our uh, concerns, our questions, our anguish before him. And we receive from him his direction and insight. So the spiritual practice of silence and solitude really revolves around a response an expectation we have, and then actually seeking him. The last thing that we notice that Jesus does and that we need to do is to make the time, is to take the time, and that's what's hard for us, is to take the time. When can I find the time? You know, it became a habit of Jesus. In verse 16 of chapter 5 of Luke, it says, but Jesus often, he often withdrew. Not occasionally, he often did it. His disciples recognized He's always doing this. And so should we. But it says he went out to a lonely place or a wilderness. What, what places are your wilderness? What place do you have that's lonely? It's quiet, no distractions. Not just physical, but also in your heart. For some of us, we think of uh, a lonely place like this. Getting away in nature, Nothing to look at, just the sky and you can sit and hear God. That's pretty tough to do in a Montreal winter. So other places of loneliness are actually a room. It seems obvious. You find a place, no TV, no phone, no internet, nobody else but you and God. Asking God to come and draw you to himself. And there are ways to practice this. Finding a quiet place, asking God to meet you, waiting and listening and pouring out your heart to him. For it comes when we come prepared to be filled by him that he draws us to himself. And it's living what you learn in here. It's not just having solitude with God and say, that was wonderful, and you walk away and it doesn't change you. It means being changed by him. So let's put this together. This is a a shorter message today because I know you need your rest. So our summary, the rest. We respond to life by being alone with God. By getting ourselves away from all those situations in life that are preventing us from spending time with him. And we expect to meet God. We sit and anticipate that he will touch us and change us. That he will teach us. And you know sometimes if you practice this, it's not long enough. Once you get past that uh, initial difficulty of sitting still, learning how to sit still, which we have to relearn, because as children are always told to sit still, 
Even as adults, even more so, we have to sit still and listen to him. We also seek God as the S part of rest, and we take time to give to God. These are the things that, it's a very simple message. Silence and solitude on one level is extremely simple. It means just not listening, not doing anything, just being with him. That's your only priority. And so our response today is really simple. I have one request for you. Sometime today, you can choose the time, but should be today, take 15 minutes. I'm just asking for 15 minutes. Find a place and be quiet with God. Tell, you know, your wife or your husband, your kids, whoever is in the home with you, look, I'm going to be over here in the room no phone calls, no distractions, not being any social. I just need to have this time with God. Try it. Separate yourself. Sit before God and say, Lord, here I am. I'm being quiet. And I'm going to speak out loud and I'm just going to sit in your presence with your word. Maybe you want to meditate on the passage that we had today as a way to focus your mind and see what God does. You know, if God loves you enough to die for you and to save you, he wants to spend time with you. He wants to know you. He wants to uh, fill you with his blessing. And he does that when we give him the time and we focus our energies on him to spend time with him. After you've done that, assuming you've done it before 6.30, I want to challenge you to come back here for our evening worship. It was mentioned in the announcements. Uh, this has been such a blessing to me. And to tell you what it is, we come and we sing. There's no message. Dwight Chase, a gifted worship leader, just plays the piano, and we just sing. You can come for as long as you want, leave when you have to. But I'm telling you, it has been such a blessing to me. And although we were talking about silence and solitude, uh, that's an extension of that, once you've had that time alone with God, you come and you share that time with each other. So I invite you. You know, if God touches you and you say, you know, I really need to worship God before the week begins. It's just singing. It's all it is. Just coming and worshiping God. And it's a real blessing because you have a chance to focus on God. Just focus on the words of the songs and worshiping Him. So I invite you to do that. Spend some time being silent and solitude and then coming and worshiping. Because in Psalm 46, 10, it says, we still know that I'm God. We know God when we're still. He waits for you to be still. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that uh, you have shown us the incredible need and the wonderful joy it is to be silent and to be alone with the Father. And we know, Lord, that you have placed your spirit in our hearts and that you call us to times where we spend with you. Father, we pray as a, as a community of faithful believers whose desire is to follow you and imitate you, that you would fill us with that desire, Lord, that you would call us, even today, to take just a fraction of time to sit before you 
quietly waiting for you to come and to bless and to guide. Lord, we pray as we sing our last song of the worship time that you would fill our hearts with with a sense of awe and a desire to worship you and to sing of our love for you and praise you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you in your name, Jesus. Amen.